So I can remember growing up, uh, getting ready for school every single morning, especially in elementary school, it was a crazy experience, okay? We had six people in my family, and we were all trying to get out the door at the same time, and we were all going different places. So if you got kids, you've got a lot of kids, and if this is your experience right now, you know what it's like. It's pandemonium, okay? It's insane. It's craziness. And so these memories are very vividly burned into my mind. I can remember in elementary school, specifically my family and I, we were still living in our old house on Brinkerhoff Hill, okay? in Brinkerhoff Hill, and so we had two TVs going every single morning. We had the small little TV on the kitchen counter, and on the kitchen counter we had some PBS show going, whether it was like Liberty Kids or Between the Lines or Arthur, I don't know. There was some PBS show going on the little TV in the kitchen, and then on the big TV in the living room every single morning without fail. Mike and Mike in the morning on ESPN, okay? Back in the Mike and Mike days. And so we would watch Mike and Mike and some PBS show every single morning. And these things, after so long, they just begin, they get burned into your brain, okay? And so I can remember every single year there was this moment in the calendar where there would be this commercial that would play on ESPN every single year on loop over and over and over again, year after year. And it was in the sweet spot from like, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, it was right there, that first week of December, this, this clip would just play and this commercial would be over and over and over again. So the commercial was this Italian guy. This Italian guy, and he would smile, and he would shout at you through the TV screen, because we all know some Italian people, that's just how they are, that's just what they're like. And so he'd smile and he would shout, and he would shout the same things every single year, because it was the same clip. And he would say things like, there are three things, three things that you should do every single day. You should laugh. You should spend some time laughing, okay? Number two, you should think. You should spend some time in thought every day. And number three, you should cry. You should have your emotions so moved to tears, uh, whether it be because of joy or sadness. Because he would say, if you laugh, if you think, and if you cry every single day, that's a full day. And I'd be like, you know, six and be like, wow, that's interesting. Okay, and then I go out to, I go out to school. Okay, and so then it happened year after year after year. And he would say other things. He would always say things like, remember where you've come from. Remember where you are. And then think about where you're going. And I'd say, I'd say wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, I like that. And so then I'd go on my way from there. And then he would, the commercial, it would always close the same way. It would always close with his motto. And you know what his motto was? His motto was this. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. And that stuck with me. And so some of you know what I'm talking about. This was Coach Jim Valvano's acceptance speech at the 1993 ESPYs. We got a picture of Jimmy V. Jimmy V, there's Jimmy V, right? Italian guy, like big energy, okay? And, and there was this very famous speech that he gave at the ESPYs when he was announcing uh, the start of the Jimmy V Foundation for Cancer Research. Okay, and so they play this clip every single year because that first week of December every year on ESPN is Jimmy V Week where they raise support for cancer research. And I can remember thinking, wow, that stuff was so good. And so one day it became time for me in high school to give my first speech. And so I needed some inspiration. And so I thought back to the words of wisdom of Jimmy V. And so I looked up Jimmy V SB speech and I watched the whole thing. It's like 12 minutes. Go back and watch it sometime, okay? It's great. And the whole time I'm sitting there and I'm watching the screen, and I'm just saying to myself, wow, wow, wow. And everyone in the crowd, they're like smiling, they're clapping, they're saying wow. You know why they're saying wow? Because everything that was coming out of that guy's mouth was nothing but wisdom. 
And it wasn't just wisdom because of what he had done and the success, that he, the success that he had had, but it was wisdom because of his current life circumstances, the current context for which he was speaking those words. And at that moment, Jimmy V's body was riddled with cancerous tumors. And at that point, he only had months to live. And so the words that came out of his mouth carried extra weight. And there was nothing, they were nothing but words of wisdom. So let me ask you a question. When was the first time when you heard something from someone else, something that someone said, and it made you exclaim, wow? What, what was that thing for you? Because I know for me, it was when I was first hearing Jimmy V and all of his insightful words, and it was the power that was within those words that made them so why? So if it's your first time with us here today, we are so glad that you are here. I'd love to introduce myself. My name is Cooper Young. I get to serve as the associate pastor here at Crossroads. And uh, if you've been coming for a long time, if you first time back in a while, whatever it may be, we are so glad that you're here. If you're joining online at the Madison County Correctional Facility, we love that you all get to join every single week. And uh, it's, just, it's just awesome to be together on a beautiful Sunday. Because folks, I woke up and it wasn't beautiful. But now it's nice outside and that's a good thing, okay? Now, we are in week four of our current series entitled Walking in Wisdom. Walking in Wisdom. And so we have been plunging the depths of the book of Proverbs uh, over the past month, and we have been trying to explore all of these wise sayings that exist within this book. And so what we've been doing as a church is every single day of the month of July, we have been reading a chapter from the book of Proverbs because there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs and there's 31 days in July. It's worked perfectly, okay? So we're nearing the end of that. But here, here, I'll give you a little secret. I'll let you in on something. We're going to be continuing to walk in wisdom throughout the month of August. Now, here's what's funny. July and August are the only two months on our calendar that both have 31 days. How about that? So maybe you started and you just didn't make it through the month. Maybe you got a late start and you're like, I can't start now because I didn't start on day one. Maybe you did every single day in July. Whatever your situation is, we're doing it again, folks. Every single day of the month of August, we are going to read the book of Proverbs again. Here's why. Because it's so good. And if you read it, you know there's way too much in just one chapter to just sit down and read it one day and be like, I got it. You're not going to do that, okay? And you can read them every single day for the rest of your life. You still won't get all of it because there's so much wisdom in this one book. And so uh, if you did it in July, do it again. Maybe you read it in your head, read it out loud or, or read it in your head and then pick one every single day that really sticks out and write it down word for word. Whatever it may be for you. I don't know, but if you can hear my voice right now, together we are going to commit to read every single chapter of the book of Proverbs in, in August together, and it's going to be awesome, okay? So that's what we're going to do, uh, because I'm, I'm telling you what, when you read these Proverbs, when you read these Proverbs, there are going to be certain ones that are going to stick out to you as you're going throughout the month. I promise you, there's going to be something that's going to jump off the page, and you are going to read it and be like, I can't believe this is in the Bible. You're going to say, wow. You, or you're going to read it and be like, that's so true. Wow. And you're just going to look, and you're going to look, and you're going to look, and you're going to read it, and it's all, it's just going to jump out. It's going to be awesome. And you are just going to keep saying, wow, wow, wow. And so the title of my message today is, wow, wow. Now, everybody say, wow. Wow. Yes, wow. Now, say, wow, in your best Owen Wilson impression. Anyone? Does anyone know? Like, wow, wow, yeah, wow, wow. 
Wow, yeah. So, if, okay, if you don't know what I'm doing, okay, Owen Wilson. We know Owen Wilson. He's a famous movie star, okay? Owen Wilson, Lightning McQueen guy, okay? Wow, okay? Wow. He says wow like crazy all the time. And he is actually famous for saying the word wow, which is a weird thing to be famous for, but he is. And so if you literally Google Owen W, the third thing on Google would be Owen Wilson says wow. Okay, so he just, it's just what he's known for. And the reason he's so famous for it is because every time he says wow, it just sounds differently. And that's kind of true about that exclamation wow. And what we learn from the Owen Wilson effect is that usually the way that you say the word wow depends upon what you are seeing or, or hearing when you say that word. Now, when it comes to hearing someone say something and saying the word wow, usually there's two ways that you're going to say that word. You're either going to say this. You're going to say, wow, wow, wow. It's either going to be like that. It's going to be nice and gentle and thoughtful and insightful. It's like, wow. Or you're going to say it like this. Wow. Wow. Wait, whoa. Wow. Now, the first way is when you have just heard something wise. When you hear words of wisdom, you usually say, wow. When you hear something incredibly insensitive and foolish, you're going to be like, wow, right? So there's a difference in, in how you hear and how you say those words. But the reason we use the, the title of the message is WOW is because it's an acronym. If you saw that, it would have made sense. And WOW really stands for Words of Wisdom. Words of Wisdom. So if you could turn with me today, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 12. We're going to read verses 13 to 25 together. So if you've got a phone, you can pull that out and scroll there. Uh, if not, we'll have it appear on the screen as well. But here is what Proverbs 12, 13 to 25 says. It says this. Evildoers are trapped by their sinful talk, and so the innocent escape trouble. From the fruit of their lips, people are filled with good things, and the work of their hands brings them reward. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. An honest witness tells the truth, but a false witness tells lies. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Deceit is in the hearts of those who plot evil, but those who promote peace have joy. No harm overtakes the righteous, but the wicked have their fill of trouble. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. The prudent Keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. And finally, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. A lot of wisdom. A lot of wisdom in those couple of verses. That's just one chapter, a part of one chapter. Now, I can remember when I was a sophomore at Syracuse University. I was a sophomore, and I was taking this class that was a part of the rhetorical studies side of my degree. Now, if you are unfamiliar with rhetorical studies, which I'm guessing you are, uh, we study the, the, the idea of rhetoric. And if you don't know what rhetoric is, rhetoric is communicating in any way persuasively. Whether it's re writing, whether it's speaking, any mode or medium of communication, when you are doing so, you are trying to do so persuasively, and we're trying to figure out how to do that. Okay, 
It was a 9.30 a.m. lecture in college in January in the cold, in the gray, and in a miserable morning on the hill at Syracuse University. So that's kind of how this class was. You can kind of paint a picture for yourself. And kids, students would walk in, me and like over a hundred other people would walk in. People would bring pillows. People would bring blankets. This was the kind of lecture you got to just kind of fall asleep in, right? And so I get in there one day. I open up my laptop. I start doing something else. I'm not going to act like I was listening. Okay, I was just doing something else. At this point, we're like, I'm over this thing. And the professor comes in one day, and he comes to the front of the class. He just stands there. No one's paying attention. And then he starts to say, quite loudly, not shouting, but just very sternly enunciating as much as possible so that the words that he is saying definitely get into his lapel mic and ring as loud as possible through those speakers. The most vulgar insensitive, offensive, NC-17 words I have ever heard in my entire life. And one after another, he just kept saying them. And you're like, is this happening? I was not in that moment saying, wow, this is really, no. I was saying, wow, what is going, and I'm looking around, and everyone's doing the same thing. What is happening right now? Is this guy going to stop? And he wouldn't. He kept going. He was saying words I had never even heard before. This was insane. And the whole time, I'm like, oh my goodness, is he ever going to stop? And then finally he did. And finally he stopped. And you might be asking yourself, well, what was the point of that? And his point was this, that words are just sounds, and that the hearer of those sounds is the one who gives that word meaning. And that is the only reason why words have power, because we give them power. To which I would respond, no. No, that's just not true. That's a cute gimmick. That might be a punchy little rhetoric lesson, but that just doesn't hold up in real life. That might be some theoretical, psychological thing that you might be able to prove on paper, but I'll tell you what, it doesn't hold up. And I'll tell you how I know, because I looked behind me, and I looked at all of these students, over a hundred students of various diverse backgrounds, experiences, and identities, and he had managed to offend Every single one of them. People were in tears. People were walking out. He had hurt almost every single person, if not everyone, in that room with his words. The truth is, is that our words have power. They have power. Whether you believe it or not, whether you know it or not, your words, our words, they carry power with them. And James, the brother of Jesus, he knew this. And he knew how important it was for the Christian or the follower of Jesus to understand this for ourselves. And where do our words come from? They come from our tongue. They come from our mouths, right? And so our tongue is a very powerful thing. And and James gives us three word pictures for what our tongue is like. Because his argument is that our words have so much power that they will direct the trajectory of the rest of our lives. So he compares our tongue to the rudder on a big ship. It's a little piece of wood, Mick. Yes, anyways, it's a little thing on a big ship. And when that thing turns, the whole boat goes with it. 
Such a small thing can direct such a bigger thing. He, he, he describes the impact that one little word can have. He compares it to the spark that starts a raging forest fire. And we have all become very familiar with raging forest fires this summer. We know the damage that they can cause four miles. And they start with a spark. Just like your tongue. And then he compares, he compares the tongue to the bit on the bridle of a horse. We know what horses are. They're animals. They're huge. They're massive. They're strong. They're powerful. But you put this little piece of metal, and all of a sudden, you can control that whole horse just by the bit in the mouth of the horse. That is what your tongue is like to your whole life. And it's not just our lives, but it's the lives of everyone around us, especially to those who are closest to us. Because our words do, in fact, have power. So if our words have power, and if our words are not words of wisdom, then what are they? They're words of foolishness. And what are words of foolishness? Words of foolishness are this. They're lying, gossiping, they're mean, and they are many. And they are many. So each one of these deserves its own sermon. I'm sorry, folks, we don't got that kind of time, so I'm going to go kind of quick, okay? But this is a broad overview of what words of foolishness are like. The first one is lying, Okay, lying. How many people in here have ever told a lie before? Anyone? Oh my gosh. Some people are telling their first lie right now, and that's awesome. It's a powerful moment. Yeah, participation is key. No, um, we've, right? Lying. Lying is foolishness. Why is lying foolishness? Because you can never just tell one lie. Ask a liar. When you start telling one lie, one lie turns into 20 really quickly. And that's why if you saw in our passage today, it said this. It said, an honest witness tells the truth, but a false witness tells lies. And then in Proverbs 12, 19, we find, or yeah, a false witness will not go unpunished. And whoever pours out lies will not go free. And so what's the point there? The point there is that when we tell one lie, it turns into many lies, and we start pouring out lies. And when you pour out more lies, what you're doing is you are involving more individuals into that lie. And so what ends up happening is you begin to build this house of cards of lies, so that when one card is pulled out, or when one lie is found out, the entire house crumbles down. And you're not the only person who gets hurt when it all collapses, but so do all of the people that you included in your little web of lies. And that's why uh, Proverbs uh, twelve nineteen reads that truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. In other words, you can't keep up the charade. The web is going gonna, is gonna to all fall apart eventually. It's very thin. It can't hold much weight, right? And that's why we call it a web of lies. Because when you're spinning that web, and you're involving more people, and you're telling one lie after another, you think you are making your life better, or you are making your life easier. But the truth is, is that when you are spinning that web of lies, you are the one who is actually getting trapped and enclosed in your own web of lies. Lying's like eating potato chips, like Lay's potato chips, okay? You can never just have one. You tell yourself you can. You can't, okay? You can never just have one, so then one turns into many, and it's so unhealthy for you. And why is it so unhealthy for you? Because look at what God talks about uh, in, in Proverbs 12. It says, The Lord detests lying lips, 
but he delights in people who are trustworthy. See, what we have in common with God when it comes to our relationships with others is that we don't like liars. We don't like liars. Because liars are hard to be in relationship with. Because you know what relationships are built on? Trust. And if you can never trust what someone else says, it's really hard to be in a relationship with them. They are no longer trustworthy. And so lying is foolishness because our lies trap us, they hurt our relationships with others and with God, and they are so unhealthy for us. But there are other words that we can use, other forms of words that we can use that are also unhealthy, that aren't necessarily untrue. And this is when we start talking about gossiping. Maybe you've heard someone say, well, I had to just tell the truth, or I'm not going to lie about so-and-so, or this is just how I feel, or this is just how it happened. And usually, that's when someone is gossiping. And so in Proverbs eleven thirteen, we find out that a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Gossiping. Gossiping is the thing that we all do that no one wants to admit to, because it's so much fun to participate in and it's so uncomfortable to stop when it's happening. And we're going to actually talk more about gossiping in a couple of weeks from now when we talk about friends, okay? But, but what is gossiping, right? Gossip is not always saying things that are untrue about someone. Sometimes you're telling the truth. But here's what gossiping is. Gossiping is negative information that may or may not be true designed to make the speaker and the hearer feels superior to the object of the gossip. In other words, if you are speaking about someone or something in that person's absence, with them not there, and you are casting them in a negative light, you are gossiping. And gossiping is sinful. So let me ask you a question. How much of your speech, percentage-wise, did I just classify as gossiping? This could be alarming, right? And gossiping is a really foolish thing to do. Because if you want to know one of the best ways to start conflict and to keep conflict going and to live a conflictual life, it's by gossiping about other people. Proverbs 26.20 says it like this, Without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. What Solomon is saying here is that the wood to the fire of gossip is our words, sorry, wait, of conflict, to the fire of conflict is our gossip. Our gossip is what fuels fires of conflict. And so if you feel like your life is constantly in disarray and you're constantly in conflict with other people, my question to you would be how much do you gossip about other people? Because the truth is, the less that we gossip about others, the more peace we will have in our own lives. And it's foolish too, because you're tearing someone else down, and you're making yourself feel like you're better than them. And a lot of times that's just because of our own insecurity that we're trying to ignore. And so instead, we replace it with pride, and both are foolish. Foolish talk breaks down, and gossip so easily destroys others, and it's certainly not loving. And you don't want other people to gossip about you, so don't gossip about other people. You know why? 
Because it's just mean. It's just mean. And foolish talk, foolish talk is also, or sorry, foolish uh, words, words of foolishness are also mean and they are many. Mean and many. Mean and many. Mean and many. Now here's what I mean by that. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Which is another way of saying that another aspect of foolish talk is someone who can't keep their mouth shut, who's talking all the time. If you constantly always feel like you have to add something to a conversation, or if you're, if you're someone who talks way too much, then you are much more likely to say something that you don't mean. And usually when that happens, it comes across as mean. Because it's way easier to speak in a mean way than it is in a nice way. Taylor Swift wrote a song called Mean. This is how it opens up. You, with your words like knives and swords and weapons that you use against me. You have knocked me off my feet again, got me feeling like I'm nothing. Taylor Swift said that. Now here's why that's an issue. Because she totally ripped off King Solomon. Okay, this is a copyright issue, folks. Okay, because he said it first in Proverbs 12, 18. He tells us, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. We all know what it's like to hear something that someone else said about us behind our back that was mean. We all might know what it's like to have someone say something mean to our face. And it does more than hurt. It pierces. It pierces right to your heart and your soul. It hurts on a whole other level. Do you know the silly saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That's foolishness. No, that's not true. You know how I know it's not true? Because every time you say it, it's because someone just hurt you with your words. You're like, oh, sticks and stones can't break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's like, no, you're already hurt and you're upset because it hurts. Words do hurt us. They pierce us like swords, like weapons. So it's foolish to say mean things to other people, especially those to who, who you love and care about the most, because our words can literally kill other people. They have that level of power. So parents, grandparents, spouses, kids, bosses, leaders, say nice and encouraging things because your words carry so much weight, especially to your family. Because if it's mean, you're going to kill those who you love the most. Don't let your words be swords that cut others because you know what the worst part is about words? When you say a word, it's gone. It's out there. You can't grab it and pull it back. You can't unsend the email. You can't edit the text. Words don't work like that. When they come out of your mouth, they're, they're leaving and they're going with power. And if they're mean, they're going to hurt whoever you said them to. And we don't want that because we don't want our words to hurt others. We want them to bring healing. We want them to bring life. We want them to build others up. So don't speak words of foolishness. So what should we do instead? We should use wow. We should use wow. Words of wisdom. What are words of wisdom? Words of wisdom are this. They're truthful, they're gentle, they're kind, and they're few. Truthful, gentle, kind, and few. Wise words are truthful. It is wise to always tell the truth. 
Always. You know why? Because we talked about what happens when you lie. We talked about all the bad and the negative things that happen, but also because we learn in Proverbs 35, it says this, every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. When we speak words that are flawless, in other words, when we speak words of truth without error, we're to do so in the way that Paul instructs us to, or instructs the church in Ephesus to do in Ephesians 4. And he says this, he says, speaking the truth in love. So when we speak words of truth, we're to do so in a loving way. And when we do that, the reason we do that is because when we do that, we are becoming more like God. Because God in his very nature is perfectly true and he's perfectly loving. There is nothing in God's word that is not true and that is not loving for you. And because God is also perfectly wise, the only way to be like God is to be wise by speaking the truth in love. And if you don't know how to talk like that, that's where God's word is super helpful because it will instruct you very gently and very kindly. And so if God's word is going to instruct and speak to us in a very gentle and kind way, and gentleness and kindness are actually both fruits of the spirit, my question to you would be, how good are you doing at being gentle and kind? How many people are good at being gentle and kind? Anyone? Especially with your words, even on social media. Not many? Oh, less and less. Okay, so our country is not a place of gentleness and kindness right now, folks. I don't need to tell you that. That's pretty clear. Everyone is angry and harsh and hateful, supposedly in the name of fighting for love. Yet, the words that are being spoken could not be more unloving. So it's foolishness. How would other people describe your words? How would people who are closest to you describe your words? Would they describe them as gentle and kind? Because here's what the Proverbs talk about. They say this, a gentle answer actually turns away wrath, but a harsh word, that stirs up anger. And we are being schooled right now on how to be harsh with our words through music, the news, social media, people telling us that that's actually the right way to stand up for what's right by being harsh. We are not being told to be kind or gentle. And here's what I also know to be true about our country and the rest of our world right now. Right now, we are in an unprecedented time of an epidemic of anxiety, anxiousness. So many people are anxious, and no one knows what to do about it. People have all these different ideas, and they try all these things, but really, no one really has a good answer for it. Solomon does have an answer, and here's what he'll say. He'll say that anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. And if you've ever dealt with anxiety or anxiousness, you know it's to be true. Because last week, we talked about how everything flows from the heart in your life. And so if anxiety is weighing down your heart, your whole life is affected by it. And so it's hard to figure out what's the best way to deal with this. And Solomon would say that a kind word, I'm sorry, a kind, a kind word will cheer it up. A kind word. Is that true? If you've had that happen to you, you know it to be true. And I hope you know it to be true. I hope you know what it feels like to have someone say something kind to you. I hope you know the healing power, both mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically, that just someone's words of kindness can have. 
on you. And I also hope that it is our goal as followers of Jesus to be giving that to everyone that we come into contact with. But the world isn't doing it. So can you imagine what it would be like if Christians, if we as followers of Jesus, were known as being the people who always said the gentle and kind words? Can you imagine how much we would stick out in the rest of culture and society in such a positive way? I'm not saying we compromise on our convictions in any way, but there's certainly a way to present the truth in love with our words being marked by gentleness and kindness. And that should be our aim. And Paul saw this similarly in, at that church in Ephesus and in the culture that they were in. It was very similar to ours. And so this is what he said to them. He said, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. <laughs> don't let it happen. But, doesn't mean you don't ever talk, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. If our words are going to be wise, then we must speak the truth in love. But our speech should be marked by gentleness and kindness because God will take those words of wisdom and he will use them to build others up. And if people hear us talk like that, they're going to say, wow. They may not agree with us, but they will say, wow. And so the last thing for today, the last thing that wise words are, is they are few. <sighs> Wasn't that so nice? Oh my gosh. Silence. He stops talking for like two seconds. Yeah. Wasn't that nice? Some silence felt good. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to always fill the silence with words. Look at what Paul says in Proverbs 17. He says, The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. He goes on in 28 and he says, Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. No one believes this in the rest of the world. No one. Because if you're not the one who talks, you're two things. You're either dumb and don't have answers, or you're scared and afraid to present the right ones. No one sees that it be, as being wise. They see it as being weak. Smart people are the ones who always start conversations and add things to conversations and are the ones who are always talking. No. Usually, they're the insecure ones who have a lot of pride and who try and uh, attend to that pride by giving their opinion on everything, right? And so that's, that's not a good thing. So I'm asking you a question. Do you always feel the need to talk? I think if we were all more secure in who God created us to be and what God said about us, that we would be much more able to just sit there and listen when other people were having conversations, not feeling a need to add something, not because we're scared and not because we don't have answers, but because we're trying to be humble. Jesus sat there, knelt there, as he was beaten, as he was mocked, as he was yelled at, as he was scolded, as he was made fun of, as he was spit on, as he was whipped, as people demanded that he defend his own life, his own rights, and yet he knelt there quietly. 
But when Jesus would open his mouth, the words that came from his mouth were few. But there have never been words that have made more people say, wow, than his. The crowds, they sat there and they marveled at his teaching. His own opponents and enemies were amazed at how he would answer other people's questions. Because he wouldn't argue. He would have conversations. And he wouldn't yell and scream. He simply taught. And the words that came out of his mouth were so wise. So, what should we do to share fewer words? Two thoughts. First one is this. Stop with the comments. Start with the questions. Stop with the comments. Start with the questions. Don't feel like you have to respond to everything other people say all the time. You don't need to. I think a lot of times now that we've been given a voice through so many different means, we feel like now we're supposed to speak to everything. We don't have to. It's actually unwise. So stop with the commenting and everything. Here's what's going to be way more beneficial for you. Just start asking good questions. Just start asking good questions. Because if you sit there and you listen and you collect that information and then you synthesize a good question to someone, what you're going to be able to do is hear their answers. And you are going to be able to understand other people's innermost thoughts, their feelings, and their experiences on a whole other level level. But if you're going to ask questions, you got to do the next thing too. You can't just, sorry, stop. Oh, that was, might have all be that I have. That's okay. Here's what you should do. Here's what you should do. Don't listen to respond. Don't listen to respond. Listen to understand. Just sit there and put away all of your arguments for a second and just try and understand what this person is communicating to you because here's what you're actually going to do. Little rhetoric technique you're going to understand so much better where people are coming from. And that person is going to feel so much more seen, heard, and loved. So that when you do open your mouth with words of wisdom that are true and that are gentle and kind and few, they are going to be much more likely to listen to you. And that's what we are looking for. Because our aim, our goal, our priority when we are speaking and listening and engaging with other people is trying to figure out how to make them feel served, seen, loved, and heard enough so that when we have the opportunity to share with them the good news about who Jesus is, that they're actually going to listen to us. It takes work. Listening is not easy. It's hard. But when you do that kind of work, when you make people feel served and loved in that way, you're going to have a much better opportunity to do so. Here's my hope. My hope is that people would love the words that come out of the mouth of the Christian. My hope is that when people walk away after engaging with us, that they leave always feeling built up by our words. Because that's what we were told to do. Because when that begins to, to become people's experiences, they are going to ask us, why? Why are you so wise? Why are you so gentle? Why are you so nice? And our answer is going to be, because the gospel has changed my life. What's the gospel? There you go. Your opportunity to tell them about how Jesus loves them. How Jesus came to this earth, to this broken, to this foolish, in this evil and messed up world. To be 
the Savior, as the Son of God, not just for us, but for them too. That he really did kneel there as he was beaten and tortured, silently, uttering a few words, words of wisdom, before he would give his life on the cross, ultimately being silenced unto death. But that he didn't stay dead, that he was raised three days later, and because of that, he paid the price for our sins, making a way for us to be forgiven and then adopted into a family of God, a family full of believers, a family full of followers whose words should be nothing but loving, kind, gentle, joyful, peaceful, true, and few. And that's what we should be as a church, as a family. And we'll talk more about family next week, so come back. But that should be our experience with other people. And here's what I'll say. Okay, last thing. Here we go. So, this past week, I had a birthday. You don't have to care. That's fine. But I had a birthday. Okay, so no one cares. That's fine. Um, no, 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 cheers. That's okay. Um, and so, uh, at staff meeting, the staff got me a gift. Okay, they got me a gift. Here's what they got me. They got me some peanuts. I'm just going to make a mess. They got me some peanuts. Okay, got me some peanuts. They got me some, some blackberries. Okay. And then, they also got me some honey. You say... Are you not eating breakfast, Cooper? What's, what's the point? This is a bear attraction kit. <laughs> From the staff. Hasn't worked yet, but yeah. How about that? I have never felt more seen, loved, and heard. I don't know if they're listening. And heard in my entire life. And then one of the things that we do as a staff too is whenever it's someone's birthday, we all go around and we say something nicer that we appreciate about that person. And I got to experience that this week. And people were overly generous, and that's fine. That's a good thing. Um, and, and it reminded me of this verse. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. A honeycomb. Our words, when they're gracious and when they're loving, they are so sweet. They are so sweet. And I got to experience that this week, and it was incredible. And what's amazing is that our words can change people's entire lives, entire existences, that our words are the vehicle that God has used and chosen to use to proclaim his good news about Jesus Christ, that when the Holy Spirit empowers them, can literally save people's souls for all of eternity and change their lives forever. That's amazing. There is such power in our words. Last proverb, it says this, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So let's not let our words be words of foolishness, but words of wisdom. True, gentle, kind, loving, gentle, gracious. Because what we're going to see is that when that happens, people are going to listen. They're going to listen. And we're going to get to share with them the good news about who Jesus is. And we're going to see people's lives changed for so long, for so many years to come, if we can commit to it and do it. And when we see that happen, what we're going to say one last time all together is, wow. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for the truth, God that our words have power, 
God, and that we all have power because of it. Lord, help us to use that power for good. God, help us to use that power to build other people up with our words. God, help us to be the most encouraging people on the face of the planet. Let our words be full of wisdom. Let them be true, gentle, kind, and few. God, give us the confidence and the security and the humility to know that we don't always have to give a comment, but instead we can ask a good question, try and understand. God, I pray that you would give us all doors, open doors, God, for us to be able to share the good news of your message of Jesus with others so that people feel seen, people who are far from you feel heard, understood, and loved so that you can empower our words with your Holy Spirit to change people's whole entire lives. God, let us be able to see that. Let it be building for our faith. Let it be encouraging. God, and and let us just continue to just say, wow, because you're so good and you're so faithful. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.